Welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I'm Mike Pratz, and today I am joined by Zachary Rissler, who is ultrasound faculty at Thomas Jefferson University. Zach, how's it going today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Sure thing. So today we are discussing a paper titled Incorporation of -of Point-of-Care Ultrasound into Morning Rounds is Associated with Improvement in Clinical Outcomes in Critically Ill Patients with Sepsis. This was published in the Journal of Clinical Anesthesia, May of 2018. Zach, what's this all about? Yeah, so I thought this was a really interesting study. So it looked at patients with severe sepsis or sepsis shock, and we know that these are are bad, right? Septic shock, no one wants. And uh, it puts the people at increased risk of death. We also know that point-of-care ultrasound use is increasing in the intensive care setting, and it can be helpful in obtaining information uh, to aid in the medical decision-making. So most trials that use ultrasound in these settings uh, use it as an on-demand tool, so used when the clinicians think that the ultrasound will help them. What this study did was it added ultrasound into their morning rounds at a very kind of standardized practice, and they saw if incorporating ultrasound into the morning rounds could change outcomes such as mortality. Uh, The author's goal in using this was uh, to improve patient outcomes, and I really like that it was a very patient-centered study. And so their main question was, does routine ultrasound and point-of-care ultrasound during morning rounds, improve patient outcomes. Right. So basically they thought, hey, if we use ultrasound every day on every patient, maybe we will catch something or it will change our management in some way that it will actually affect the mortality or at least some of these other outcomes in patients. Exactly. Okay, so let me tell you how they did this study. This is actually out of China. I thought the name of the hospital was interesting, Sir Run Run Shaw. And a single hospital in China, they included any patient that had sepsis, which they defined as an infection and signs of organ dysfunction. They ended up excluding anyone that had pregnancy, advanced stages of malignancy if they were younger than 18, if they did not have mortality outcomes in their electronic health record, or if they had a DNR, do not resuscitate. So this was a prospective case-controlled study in the ICU. And the way that they did this was interesting and important to interpreting the findings. They actually had three separate teams in their ICU, and each team was had one attending, two fellows, and three residents. They took two of these teams and used them as a control group. These teams were able to use point-of-care ultrasound whenever they felt it was necessary as part of their usual treatment. On the other hand, the intervention group was a single team in the ICU. What they did was they used a very kind of strict protocol for using point-of-care ultrasound every day on their daily rounds. And this protocol was involved multiple body organ groups using point-of-care ultrasound. And we'll talk about that in a bit. What they were looking for in their primary outcomes was hospital mortality. 
So did the POCUS group or the control group survive more after their ICU stay? They also looked at the length of stay in the ICU, duration of mechanical ventilation, which was defined as both non-invasive and invasive ventilation, and the duration of vasopressor use. They did some uh, logistic regressions to try to take into account some of these confounders when they were uh, determining whether or not these influenced the outcomes. Regarding who performed the ultrasounds, the providers in the intervention group did a one-week course that was seemed to be based off of the WIN-FOCUS recommendations for performing ultrasound in critically care patients. And it could have been the attending, the fellow, or the resident in the group. Now, a word on the scan that they did. So they looked at a lot of different parts of the body, like I mentioned, and what they had in their protocol was specific goals or management changes based on what they saw on the ultrasound. This helped to kind of standardize the daily rounds. So let's talk about what they did on these point-of-care ultrasound rounds. They looked at a bunch of different parts of the body, as we mentioned. That includes the lung, abdomen, looking for DVTs, looking at the IVC, and a cardiac ultrasound. And they looked for a bunch of different things, and from each finding, there was a protocolized suggestion of how this might change their management of the patient. So, for example, if they saw a lot of beeline suggested of a pulmonary edema, they might start fluid restricting the patient. If they saw the IVC was very collapsible, then they might suggest you need more fluids for that patient. They also checked out pulmonary artery pressures as a, as a guidance for fluid management, and they could find a number of other things that would change their management, such as treating for a DVT, treating pericardial effusions, treating large volume pleural effusions. So they were able to change management based on what they saw on those POCUS rounds. So that being said, Zach, what did they find in this study? What were the main results? Sure, yeah. So they scanned 129 patients that met criteria. Uh, 41 of those patients were in the intervention group and 88 were in the control group. Uh, They found that there was no significant difference in the patient population to begin with, which is always important. It seemed that mortality trended lower in the intervention group, but this was not statistically significant. Uh, They did find, though, that there was some significance in the duration of mechanical ventilation. They found that in the intervention group, they had a shorter duration, uh, about a day uh, shorter than the control group. They also, if the patients were extubated and had to be re-intubated within 48 hours, they did not consider that patient extubated, which I think is important to make sure that they may have extubated prematurely in the intervention group. So they controlled for that, which I thought was important. Uh, They did find that there was a significant uh, difference in the fluid balance on day three in the intervention group. Uh, It was about a few hundred milliliters difference. So it's important if this, uh, while statistically significant, we're going to find out, did that actually change Uh, management. So they did find that there was no significant difference in vasopressor days, and there was no significant difference in the length of stay uh, in the ICU. So just to summarize a little bit there, their primary outcome of mortality 
no statistically significant difference. Although I will say it seemed impressive at first because 27% mortality in the POCUS group and 43% mortality in the control group, but that P was 0.1, so not quite there yet. Um, and then, like you mentioned, was shorter duration of mechanical ventilation and a difference in the fluid balance, but who knows the clinical significance of that since it was only a few hundred milliliters. Okay, well, what else did they find, Zach? So they did find that using the POCUS rounds, there was a lot of change in diagnosis or confirming diagnoses, and I thought that was interesting as well. So they found that they modified the diagnosis in eight patients, and that was about 20% of their patients. They confirmed the suspicious or the number one diagnosis in 21 patients, and that was about 51%. Uh, they changed fluid management 81 times. They changed uh, vasoactive agents 53 times, and they added diuretics 71 times. So while the main outcomes may not have been different, it does seem like using the daily POCUS rounds, they did change management a significant amount. It would be very interesting to see if that, in a larger study, would have led to a decrease in mortality. They did do some logistical regression models that uh, Mike talked about earlier, and they did find that there was a significant uh, reduced likelihood of prolonged ICU stay with a um, ratio of 0.39. They also found that mechanical ventilation and vasopressors were associated with the mortality in ICU stay. So in some of their logistical regression models, they found there was some significant differences between the control and intervention group. Interesting. So it does show that it changes the management of these patients, but I guess the question is why then does it not matter to the bigger outcomes like their mortality? I think that's a good point. And I'm wondering if it was just too small of a sample size could be the reason. Yeah, I think that could be. And you know, they mentioned in the paper that they didn't do any power analysis for how large the sample side would have to be to show a statistical uh, difference here. And they thought this was just kind of pilot data. And that's why they didn't want to do that much. Um, but let's talk about some of the limitations of this study. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously this is a single center study in China. And so they may have a lot different patient populations, at least than what we are used to here in the U.S. And of course, many of us listening work in the emergency department. Emergency department patients, first of all, hopefully you're not doing too much rounding in the emergency department. But second of all, the patient populations are probably different than this ICU sepsis population. Anything else you can think of, Zach? Yeah, so the study was not randomized or blinded, which is definitely tough in a in this kind of study to blind it. Um, and so did the intervention group maybe try harder to wean their patients of off of the mechanical ventilation or pressors? Um, and was the intervention group just different than the other two control groups? We know that attending preferences and attending how attendings work can be very different. Was this one intervention attending just very different than the other two control attendings. Yeah, there is a lot of potential for confounders there since it was a small population 
and the intervention group was just a single team. Now, like we mentioned in the methodology, they did try to make it into a pretty strict protocol, but a lot of those suggestions are just suggestions. So they easily could have overridden it or based their management on any number of other things going on. So let me bring us home here and summarize the study. This was a prospective study done in a single Chinese center. They enrolled 129 patients in the ICU with sepsis. Of these patients, they compared those that had a daily point-of-care ultrasound protocol applied to them during the ICU rounds. Their primary outcome was mortality, and they did not find a statistically significant difference in mortality. What they did find was that there was an improvement in the duration of mechanical ventilation, so less days on mechanical ventilation in the point-of-care ultrasound group, and there was an improvement in fluid balance on the third day of ICU stay in the point-of-care ultrasound group. There was a reduced likelihood of a longer ICU stay based on their logistic regression model. So I think that some of the take-home points from this article, what it adds to our knowledge, is that protocolizing daily ultrasound rounds in the ICU may lead to some modest improvements in outcomes, such as length of stay and duration of mechanical ventilation. We have to be careful in making that conclusion because we don't really know if these statistically significant outcomes are clinically relevant and important. If this is just a few less hours on non-invasive positive pressure ventilation, or if this is just 100 cc's difference in their fluid balance, that may not be a big deal to people. But I think that what this does point out is that if we got some larger studies, we may in fact be able to see a mortality difference and perhaps then it would allow us to take out some of the limitations of this study and see what is actually driving this difference between the groups. Well, as usual, I want to thank you for joining us. We appreciate your listenership and we thank the authors for doing this article. I think it's important and we always appreciate looking at patient-centered outcomes. If you want to check out more from Ultrasound Gel, you can go to ultrasoundgel.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Google+. Please place any comments about this podcast in the online comments under the show notes. Well, that about wraps it up, so we will talk to you later. Yeah, I don't want it to be too hot.